Warriors Bucks. Welcome once again to the Warriors Podcast. I'm Tim Roy, and it's after the All Star break. The Dubs have a record of 27 and 26, and that leaves them in the number 10 spot in the play in bracket. What you would like is to at least get to number 8. And to do that, the Warriors would have to end the season the way they got into the break. That is, winning 8 of their last 10. And can they do it? Sure, they can do it. But that 10-game stretch, along with the first 8 of the season, are the only two periods where the Warriors have found some traction this year. So it remains to be seen, but I think it's optimistic. Some of their best basketball all year long was played in the last 10 games. Coming up on this edition of the podcast, former Bay Area standout Kate Scott, the TV voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, will join me and we'll look back at the All-Star weekend and the number 500 is prominent on this podcast. 500 wins for head coach Steve Kerr, as well as Warriors president and COO Brandon Schneider on 500 straight sellouts. But let's get this podcast going right now. Let's look back at some of the moments of the NBA All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis, including the highlight of the weekend for me, which was Steph versus Sabrina. Here are some of the highlights. Here we go. Knock it down. Oh, man, look at this throw. Yeah. Like it had eyes. Yeah. Like it had eyes. Put that pressure on him. Put that pressure on him. Put that pressure on him, lady. That's what I'm talking about. Put that pressure on him. You can't be the person that don't miss. Best you can do is tie him. Okay. That's right. Like it had eyes. He's only missed one. That's right. Steph, you can only miss two now. Oh, she's slow. She got a little tired. Right. Maybe, maybe you're right, Reg. Maybe, maybe you're right. But she's no. proving you wrong, Reg. No. Reggie Miller wrong. Reggie Miller, what are you talking about? Reggie Miller's against you, Sabrina. <laughs> Prove him wrong. Get up, get your legs into it. There you go. Get your legs into the last ones. Gotta get your legs into it. There you go. There you go. Get your legs into it. He's at 22 right now. 22. She's gonna beat the record with what the guys were doing. She doesn't get over that. Oh, no question. 24. 26. Oh, she's right there with you. She had 26. Oh, she would have made the final. Yes, she would have. made the NBA final. That was a fake call. That was a fake call by Steph. <laughs> hey, what a start, first of all. This was a start of the nine money balls. So if I'm Steph and I'm looking like this, I'm, I'm saying to myself, did I warm up enough? Because this was impressive, the, those first two racks. So according to Reggie Miller, you're in season form. You don't need a warm-up, so knock him down then. Prove us wrong. Way to set the benchmark right there, Sabrina. She had one of those starts that was having us all thinking about Las Vegas. Uh, but 26 seems to be the number of the night. Um, that's something to shoot for for you. It is. I, I was for sure having deja vu watching, watching that first <laughs> rack and a half. But 26, she would have been fine in the uh, competition before. So I got a bar to, bar to uh, It is your turn. Good luck to you. And uh, Sabrina. Tell me, in the vibe in this building right now, with the fans here and with the adrenaline going, how was it to uh, to navigate that? Uh, it was amazing. Um, I was hearing them all the way through. So thank you for all the support, obviously, and hopefully this isn't the last time we do this. All right, 26. Call it. 
with 27 to win. I, I, you know what? Yes. 26 is a great number. Yes. But it's not a Steph number. Steph is in a different stratosphere. Steph is not your average. He's not your average bear. He's not your average bear. And the thing about it, his money rack is the last round. So he'll be warmed up by there. He's not your average bear. He gets better as it goes on. Look at your five right there. He's not your average bear. Man, look at this. He's this not your beautiful. average bear. This is beautiful watching this. It is, man. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Well, he said, let's hit it. Come on, man. You think he's counting in his head, Reg? And again, his money rack is to come. So it depends on what he's going to have going into that. He, need, oh, he, hit one he needs this. He needs that. He needed that. I think she might get him, Reg. I think she might get him. He's got to be a little bit perfect now. His money rack is to come. What are you talking about? Okay, okay. I'm just saying. His I'm just saying. He was, I said he had to be perfect on that one. Ten seconds. He got it. He got it. He got it. There he got it. Look at him. Oh, he got it. Man, that the greatest shooter this game has ever seen. That was really fun to watch. Hey, look. He put 26 up there, which was kind of the number of the night, and it took that kind of an effort from him to, to knock you off, Sabrina. That was amazing. Um, just to be able to have this be the first of its kind event and come out here and um, put on a show, but understanding what this means and um, excited to change the narrative and be able to do it alongside the greatest to ever do it. You know what? When you were growing up and, and, and you were playing uh, with the guys and in middle school you want to play on that team and they wouldn't let you play on the boys team They said you should be playing with dolls uh, We've come a long way since since those days, but you represent so much here on this night Just continuing to use my platform and I think a night like tonight shows um, a lot of young girls and young boys that if you can shoot you can shoot and um, it, it doesn't matter um, if you're a girl or boy I think it just matters the heart that you have and wanting to be the best that you can be you know what you can shoot that's for sure and um, look you as, as we say on our show when Kenny and Shaq and Charles and I are together he makes it look Steffordless and you did it again tonight but how did you feel when you took the floor after what she had done I mean, when I got to the top and I missed the two uh, three-pointers, I knew I had to get hot. This couldn't have gone any better in the sense of, you know, us two taking the chance in front of this stage, one round, uh, with all the hype and to deliver like that. She set the bar. It was unbelievable to watch. So this might be something, uh, I don't know if anybody can feel these shoes, but it might be something that uh, we need to do more often. I'd love to see it again. Uh, your nonprofit, Eat, Learn, Play, and the SI20 Foundation each get $25,000 from the NBA and WNBA. And because you guys combine for 55 points, that triggers a $55,000 donation from State Farm to the NBA Foundation. Well done, Stefan. Well done, Sabrina. One of the ceremonies that ends All-Star Weekend is the official handoff from one city to the next. And Indianapolis gave the handoff to San Francisco. And, of course, next year, the Warriors will be hosting All-Star Weekend. Something really to look forward to. When you've done 500 of anything, it's remarkable. For head coach Steve Kerr, with the win of the makeup game in Utah, it was 500 wins. And by doing that, he joins Alvin Adels 
as the only Warriors head coaches to reach 500 wins. Steve Kerr also accomplished 500 wins in the fifth quickest fashion in NBA history. 764 games. That's all it took him to get to 500 wins. Only Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, Casey Jones, and Greg Popovich did it in less time. The 500 wins are symbolic of the impact that Steve Kerr's had on the basketball floor, but he's helped his players in other ways. He's helped them as men. Warriors guard Stephen Curry tries to define Coach Kerr. Coach Kerr is just a upstanding human being, first and foremost. Um, he's obviously a great coach. Uh, he's a great presence in all of basketball and every role that he's had in his entire career. But um, these last 10 years, I think he's proven to the world, you know, just how he sees life, uh, his morals and values, and the way that he approaches his job, um, and just the fact that he is, is vocal uh, in terms of leveraging his platform to speak on things that matter to him in such a passionate and impactful way. So he's, he's the best. He's, he's great with, with anybody. He can connect you know, with anybody, and it's a, such a... Uh, such a rewarding skill to have because you know he, he he makes everybody feel right at home He's in our locker room and the community and all throughout the organization and it's uh you know to the world as well no player has had a more complex relationship with steve kerr than draymond green but draymond for one is grateful what coach has done for me uh number one is, is helped me continue to grow as a basketball player uh to continue to better myself as a man um you know, and growing with him over the last 10 years, we won four championships together. Uh, but also, I was telling a friend the other day, like, how much Steve taught me about winning. You know, as someone who's won at every level, most people will say, oh, man, you won at every level. He didn't teach you. No, no, no. The, the things that he has taught me about winning, and especially at this level, you can't just find those from everywhere. You can't. Like, there, there's not many people that can give you that thing. You know, he's never rattled uh, when everyone else is rattled. He's calm. He's composed. He knows the thing uh, that you're going for, uh, the, the goal that you're going for, that light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And he stays locked in and dialed in on that thing. And I can't thank him enough for, for the things that he has taught me about winning. Because, again, that's something else that can apply to everything in life. And, you know, I happen to be, you know, a professional basketball player, so I use that daily in, in, you know, in my craft. But just the things that he's taught me about winning, I can't thank him enough. And finally, assistant coach Bruce Frazier, who has known Steve Kerr since their college days at the University of Arizona. Well, he's a, my best friend, so that's different than – that's not a definite – that's just – that might be a noun, um, but I, I think he's a, we, I mean, it, this is going to be a sappy answer because, you know, you're asking me about a guy that I've known for 40 years, maybe close to it. That's a long time. Um, but he's a, as far as what he does, it, what, as, as it applies to where we are in this, in our current kind of, he's an incredible leader always has been kind of a, a you know, leader of our team when he was when we were playing in college and but he's 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 t he's turned into a really good leader of people not just basketball players but he, it's probably his magic as far as 
always making sense of in tough moments and being able to articulate, you know, that to the group and then get the group on the right track. Um, as a person, he's an honest, um, truth-telling soul that blends into being a good leader in the way that people, the players and coaches all believe in his message. You can't do that if you're full of shit. I do. It's my word today, but you can't you can't do that if you can't have that quality if you're not if you're not if you don't walk the walk. And so I think he and he's a good he's a good person in the community. And this may be too too sappy, but he's a he lives to a moral standard that that is appreciated, especially in this in this time. And he speaks on what he believes in. He doesn't speak too often, but he speaks. When he speaks, he speaks. Um, he's a great, great father, great husband, good person in the community. That's my definition of Stevie Kerr. So a belated congratulations to Steve Kerr on that milestone. And now 500 off the floor is really because of you, Dub Nation. Recently, the Warriors celebrated their 500th consecutive sellout. That's right, 500 games in a row, whether it be at Oracle or at Chase Center, that have been sold out to watch the Warriors and the NBA. I spoke with team president and COO Brandon Schneider about that milestone. Brandon, you know, when I first got to the Warriors back in 1995, there was an impressive, you know, showing of, of Warrior fans at that time going, you know, over to Oracle and Oakland and showing up. Even though the teams weren't that good, you could just tell that passion was always there. And I think we're going to see against the Dallas on Friday, the, uh, I guess the embodiment of that passion, the 500th consecutive sellout uh, for the Warriors. It'll be at Chase Center when the Warriors take on the Mavericks. And, and just what, what a night that is. It's, it's, there's only two other streaks that have been going longer in the NBA. And it's just indicative of, of uh, how fortunate we are to work for uh, you know, a franchise and a fan base that has this kind of passion for the Warriors and the NBA. I, Tim, I, I think that's really well said. Um, I've been I've been with the Warriors as long as you. You're one of I think like eight people that that have been doing this longer than me that still work for the Warriors. Um, but I, I this is my 22nd season, and like you said, I mean we've got this incredible group of fans, this incredible fan base. By the way, globally, um, but specifically those that that come to games. And, you know, they, they support this team through thick and thin. I mean, the, you know, the loyalty, I mean, my early years uh, with the Warriors, we had an 18-year span where we only made the playoffs once, um, you know, and fans <laughs> supporting the team and going to the games, um, you know, and, and obviously over the last several years, we've been fortunate, you know, six finals appearances, four championships in the last nine years. So we've, uh, under Joe Lacob and Peter Guber's uh, stewardship, ha have really turned around on the court. But the constant through this whole time, as, as you started out by saying, uh, has been Dub Nation, um, incredible support. So I agree. Friday night, I mean, I, I really view Friday night as a, and we should be celebrating Dub Nation every night, but 500 sellout is a, is a great reason, milestone to celebrate the great fan support. Yeah, and, and there's going to be a, a video uh, tribute and, and thankful from uh, Steph Curry. I, I think that one of the things that, that, you know, we have recognized over this streak is that, you know, the constant you know, for the Warriors has been that core, you know, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, uh, Clay Thompson, and they 
have helped along with you, along with Joe Lacob and Peter Goober, and have brought this franchise, as you mentioned, to a global phenomenon. And, and it's, it's an amazing run. It's a run I don't know if you or I could have imagined it in our first year or so working with, with the Warriors. We would get to this point. I mean, it's just really an incredible run. And again, it just kind of shows by, you know, this game, number 500. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we've got, uh, with Udonis Haslam retiring after last season, we've got the three longest tenured players in the league on, on one franchise. So uh, most years playing for one team, Steph being number one, Clay number two, Draymond number three in the whole league. Uh, I believe Draymond's tied with Damian Lillard for, for third. And, and actually, sorry, I'm saying that uh, before Lillard uh, got traded this summer, he was tied with, with Draymond, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I tell Joe um, often, like in those early years, we, we were just trying to get in the playoffs. And, and during this run that we've had, we have a better chance of winning the championship than we used to have of making the playoffs. I mean, which is right. Right. Which, which exactly. Is a, it's a wild thing to say. Right. I mean, one team wins the championship, 16 teams go to the playoffs. But in those early years, we, we you know, we had the one we believe year in, in 2007 where we got into the playoffs. But that was the, the one time in 18 years. And now. Uh, thanks to a lot of things, but but most notably, I would say Steph, Clay, Draymond, and, and the guys, the team, uh, we've had this unprecedented run of success. And, you know, part of it, like, you just feel like Dub Nation getting rewarded, um, you know, for the for the years of, of loyalty, um, you know, again, through the thick and thin to now get to witness this historic era um, that's still going, right? And we're, we're obviously off to a slower start this year, but I think everyone realizes we've got the pieces in place to, to hopefully make another run. Well, no question. I think it's a matter of, of kind of getting everybody on the same page at the same time, I think, and, and getting them healthy on the floor, too, is also a big part of that. Now, you grew up a Warrior fan. You know, at what point when you started working for the Warriors did you truly understand the loyalty and the fervor of Dub Nation? Well, because I grew up in the Bay, you know, going to Warriors games, you've kind of always felt it, but it's different, you know, when you're a fan because you're, you're looking at it differently, right? I'm going to games just like anybody else, um, you know, just taking it in. And, and once you get into the walls and, and you see you know, everything we're trying to do and the team and, and trying to get it right and trying to win and trying to create the, the type of experience that we want to create for fans, you know, at Chase Center and, and again, throughout the world – um, you, you start to see just that that passion because you know then you're so you know getting so close to it, and and in those early days like you know you're getting blown out at home and you know some of these games and, and you know I started out in ticket sales I mean that was my my first job with the Warriors and so you know I was the one on the phones with fans talking to them about season tickets and partial season plans, and you're just hearing like how much people care you know how important this team has been. Um, to the Bay Area. I mean, we always talked about, you know, in the early days, there was, you know, two football teams, two baseball teams, and one basketball team. That's obviously changed over the years, but um, just having that that support from all over the Bay Area, uh, and again, like, just behind the team. I mean, enjoying the times of success, uh, but also being behind the team, even when we struggled. And, and by the way, Tim, you know this as well as anyone, I mean, in those those early years when we weren't great, we still played well at home, uh, and and you have, to, yes. you have to attribute that to the support from the fans, right? We we would struggle a ton on the road, but be uh, uh, over five hundred at home, even in the years where we weren't a good team. Employees will have a five hundred sellout pin to wear during the the game on Friday, and, and of course we know Dallas is a good team, so it's going to be a good game uh, Friday at Chase, and, and uh, but it's all part of what Chase is doing right now. Madonna's coming, Bruce Springsteen's coming, Bad Bunny's coming. Uh, and there's a lot of things that go on at, at Chase Center, and again, that's all part of this growth by the Warriors and, and Dub Nation. 
Uh, but I wanted to ask you about a couple of things that are kind of uh, near and dear. And, and one is that the, the WNBA is coming to the Bay Area. You guys announced that earlier. And, and, and I just think that's such a great addition, you know, to uh, Dub Nation because we know the passion for athletics in the Bay Area. And we know the passion for, for uh, women's athletics in the Bay Area. I think this is going to be a, a perfect fit. I think that's very well said. Um, you know, this is something, you know, I don't know if everyone knows this, and it's got, we've been talking about it more, so it's been out there a little bit more, but Joe Lacob was involved in the ABL um, back in the in the late 90s, which was the league that basically the WNBA um, came in and sort of took over or, or put out of business, some would say. Uh, the WNBA has been in existence uh, almost 30 years. Um, and, and when Joe and Peter bought the team in 2010, November 12th, to be exact, of 2010, we knew from the start that eventually we wanted to have a WNBA team and it's been a journey because, you know, we had to get chase center built and, and do all the things that we've done, but we, we've always known this was something that we wanted to do. And, and honestly, we feel that this is like the perfect time, Tim, because, you know, you, you've seen that, that, that growth um, in women's sports overall, I would say coming out of the pandemic, uh, you see, you know, what's happening um, in the NWSL, but, but more specifically with, with women's basketball, both the WNBA and, and even in college. Um, and so just seeing that momentum, um, you know, we, we really feel like, and, and, and the other thing I would say too, is you're seeing the growth, but you haven't seen, um, the business, the, the business of women's sports grow as much as it could. And that's, you know, we're excited to be a part of that. You know, we, we want to get to the point where, you know, where the players are making more money. This is a topic that you see right now, because a lot of the, the women's players have to go overseas in the off season to supplement their income. And, and we're excited uh, to come in and, 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 and help to grow that and be a part of this, this movement. Um, so when, when you look at all of it, we really feel like, you know, this is, we're, we're the right team doing this at the right time in the right place. Uh, and we can't wait for May of 25 to, uh, to tip it off. Well, when you're president and COO of uh, the, the Warriors and Chase Center, I know you're a busy man. You've got a lot going on, but I wanted to ask you one final question. And I always like to, to tell people that the Warriors are the Bay's team. You know, it's not just San Francisco's team. Or, and in the past, it wasn't just Oakland's team. It's the Bay team. And I thought it was so cool that the, with the WNBA team, they're going to use the Oakland practice facility and – with the NBA All-Star 2025 coming in, that there are going to be events on both sides of the Bay. How important was that for you, and how cool is it to have the All-Star game coming to Chase Center? Yeah, it's um, – so, again, you, you're, you're uh, hitting on all the right points, Tim. I mean, so, so start with W. Uh, we love the fact that we're going to be headquartered in Oakland, you know, player games at Chase Center in San Francisco. And a lot of it – you know, a couple things went into that, honestly, was – you know, like you said, we are the Bays team and we wanted to, that to be reflected in, in how we do everything. And we'll get to the all-star game in a second, but, but in terms of the W and, but we also wanted to make sure we had the best facilities for our players, you know, just like, just like for the golden state warriors players. And so, you know, having uh, games here at Chase that are state of the art facility is a $2.1 billion privately financed arena. And you talked about all the concerts and all the things going on. We, we haven't talked about thrive city yet today, but all the restaurants and everything going on right outside the arena. So we wanted our W team to be a part of that and additive to that, by the way. Um, and, but we also wanted to make sure we had a world-class practice facility. And as you know, uh, as well as anyone in the world, you know, we, we had a, uh, our facility in Oakland was an NBA practice facility up until four plus years ago. You know, that's where Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andre, all the guys were practicing um, up until our move to Chase Center. So, you know, we're excited to have this will immediately be one of the best practice facilities in the WNBA coupled with Chase Center. Um, and, and to be able to, to have that presence on both sides of the bay is special. Then you, you pivot to, to All-Star. 
And it, it is. I mean, to, to be able to host the NBA All-Star Game in the Bay Area for the first time in 25 years um, is is something, you know, we're really excited about. We'll be able to showcase Chase Center, which we're all so proud of. You know, we, we, we talk internally about being obsessed with creating world-class experiences. And, and again, we think about our fans globally. But when we talk about Chase Center, trying to make sure every touch point, you know, whether you're going to a game, concert, family show, whatever, whatever the case may be, that, that every touch point is just like perfect, like food, you know, getting there, leaving, you know, everything in between is great. And then, you know, as you think about All-Star and having uh, the footprint um, in Oakland and having, you know, several of the events um, at, at the at Oakland Arena, I think is really special. Because like you said, we've got fans all over the Bay Area. So to be able to utilize, you know, I go to All-Star every year and and all the festivities tend to be kind of in the same city, in the same area. And, and in our case, it'll be in the same area. But to be able to encompass both sides of the bridge so people see, you know, multiple aspects of the Bay Area, um, it was something that was really important to us. Uh, and, and I think will be really special for our fans here, but also for, for people coming from all around the world. My thanks to Brandon Schneider. But finally on the pod, February 7th, the Warriors were in Philadelphia to meet their cousins, the 76ers. The TV voice of the 76ers is Kate Scott, a former Bay Area treasure, and I caught up with her before the game to talk about the Sixers, the Eastern Conference, and February 7th, the day we were there, which coincidentally was National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Okay, give me of uh, the, the the Sixers now with Joel Embiid out. It's got to be a, a real uncertain time because this franchise is historically a, a great franchise, and they were having a great start. Oh, we were. And now, what do you do? Yeah, I know. I wish we would have seen you guys a month and a half ago, Tim, because things were rolling, and Joel is at the peak of his powers, and he and Tyrese Maxey are such a dynamic duo. But yeah, it, it's a difficult time. But uh, Warriors fans know all about this with Steph, you know, breaking hands and spraining MCLs and stuff. This is a part of sports, so uh, it's a, it's a difficult time right now because the big fella, not just the leading scorer in the NBA, but Joel also the the anchor of the Sixers defense. So they're trying to figure a lot out. There's sickness going around the team right now. We have two other starters out, and DeAnthony Melton, who's usually our point of attack defender, right up top, and Nico Batum um, and Tyrese Maxey. So a very different team than we had a month ago, but we'll try to put on a show regardless. No doubt about that, but Tyrese Maxey's a player I wanted to ask you about because how high do you see his ceiling? Extremely high, Tim. You know, I tell people I started covering Steph in year two in my days back in the Bay, and I got here in year two of Tyrese Maxey's NBA career. And I don't think he's going to be the greatest shooter of all time, but I see so many similarities between them, Tim. He loves the game as much as Steph. His work ethic is off the charts. He loves proving people wrong. He plays with that same joy. Um, so I think he's surprising a lot of folks who don't see him every day like we do, just the same way Steph did. People didn't think he could get bigger and could right. you know, drive to the cup. They didn't think he'd ever play defense. They didn't think this and that and now he's proven everybody wrong. So I think the ceiling is the same for Tyrese Maxey. I have to ask you about one of my favorite players in the league, that's Tobias Harris, yeah. because I I think he is so underrated right now. I I just I look at him. What 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 do you like about his game? Oh, everything. I mean, yeah. he's Mr. Consistency and if you need a bucket, if you need somebody to stand up a great offensive guy on the other team, you go to Toby. Um, and I think he's been 
dramatically undervalued and underrated um, just because he is so consistent. I think it's easy for those guys to go under the radar, but also behind the scenes. He's the leader of our team. He's the vocal leader because Joel is a, a rather quiet guy. He lets his play do the talking and Tyrese just in year four, so he's slowly coming into his own leadership wise, but Tobias is really the leader behind the scenes. So it's been tough that he's been fighting illness the last couple of weeks. He had a good one against you guys last week in San Francisco, so I'm hoping for the same tonight. Well, it's great to have you on today because we're celebrating women in sports. Who are some of the people that you looked up to that got you fired up about this career? Oh, man, so many. And it's so cool now that I've been in Philly now for three years, Tim. Yeah. So many of them have Philly ties. Andrea Kramer, who, yeah. you know, NFL legend, she went to UPenn, which is one of the 800 universities here in Philly. Lisa Salters, who's a great NBA sideline reporter, is from King of Prussia, which is a suburb of Philly. You know, Beth Moens, who's one of my play-by-play -play mentors. Beth was captain of the basketball team at Lafayette College, which is in the suburbs here in Philly. Doris Burke lives here now in the Philly suburbs. Um, so there's, there's just so many women, and all my women in the Bay, most of them are writers. Uh, Ann Killian, uh, you know, Susan Slusser, Lisa Olson, Michelle Smith, Tara Vanderveer. If, right. if I hadn't covered Tara, congratulations, by the way, on stepping past Coach K, but if I hadn't covered Tara and learned what, uh, what elite basketball really looks like from, from her, I don't think I'd be here in Philly talking to you tonight. So, so many women have inspired me. We both had to get to work, but really quickly, how do you feel about the Bay getting a WNBA team? Oh, so excited. It's about time, and I cannot wait to come out this summer and see a game at Chase Center. Yeah, I'm just so happy for Kimberly Veal and Jess Smith and everybody behind the scenes. It's about damn time, and it's going to be a blast. I can't wait to watch them. All right, it's always great to see you, my friend, and, and best of luck. Continued success with your coverage. Thank you so much, Tim. I wouldn't be here without you, too. So, love you. Great to see you. Have fun tonight. Now that's going to wrap up the podcast. I'm Tim Roy. Glad you're with us. You can get it wherever you get yours. And please spread the word about the Warriors podcast. We'll have another one next week and talk about the Warriors stretch run to the end of the season, what to expect, and, of course, an upcoming road trip of four very important games. My thanks to Kate Scott of the Philadelphia 76ers, Warriors team president Brandon Schneider, and I also want to thank producer and grand poobah of all things Warriors audio. That is R.C. Davis. I'm Tim Roy. Thanks for checking out the Warriors podcast.